All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, patriots? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. It keeps going. We keep going. We keep doing it. It is always exciting. That's true. That's true for me. It has to be. Every time I'm out here talking to somebody, I really don't know what the fuck is going to happen, and I'm ready for things to unfold. Happy 4th of July. Is that what I'm here to say? Is that what we're doing today? Tomorrow is the 4th of July. And I guess I have to give my uh, regular warning, uh, which is mind your fingers. Don't lose any fingers. Keep the fingers on the hand. Don't don't light it and throw it as a grown-up. You know, when you're my age or maybe a little younger and you have these strange recollections of chaotic firecracking, when you're a kid, uh, it's not the same, man. Just uh, keep your digits, can you? And don't burn the meat. Don't burn the fucking meat. Watch the grill. Watch for grease fires. If grease is dripping in, the flames are high, and you got dogs on there, or you got burgers on there, or you got ribs or whatever the hell it is that you're cooking, get them off. There'll be a charred mess. It's delicate stuff, man. If you're smoking, manage that temperature, okay? Just just stay on it all day long. Don't get too shit-faced. Don't make a scene. Don't yell at your kids. Don't set fire to anything. Don't cry. You know, more likely than not, if we're reflecting on the state of our union or the idea of America, I would imagine for those of you who are of right mind— are of tolerant mind, are of empathetic mind, are of uh, progressive nature, uh, things seem pretty grim. And I'm not going to tell you they're not, but you're not listening to me for that anyways. Things are pretty grim. Doesn't mean you can't have some meat. Doesn't mean you can't blow some shit up safely. Doesn't mean you can't uh, have fun with your kids in a, in a, in a way that involves, uh, lighters and matches and, and, and sparkly things and things that make noises. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy friends and whatnot, but I gather optimism might be tricky because we are living in the age right now. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't want to do the end times thing, but I just, I looked up the word radicalize radicalize cause someone to adopt radical positions on political or social issues radicalization that's what's happening our neighbors our parents people we used to know radicalization is happening and it's a very specific type of radicalization it is uh, sort of foundationally christian in a lot of ways uh, and it is foundationally uh, on purpose and it is coming from all sides to those who are sensitive to it. The brain's not that strong. If you don't have a, a particularly uh, stable sense of self or you're dealing with massive amounts of unrecovered or undealt uh, with trauma that uh, kind of churns and burns inside of you, you're either of the ilk that will burn yourself down or want to see the world burn. I believe that most of what is happening politically today on a personal level for many people is deep trauma stuff, but I'm no psychiatrist, but it might just be, you know, fuck it, basic intolerance, basic bigotry. I mean, the fact that these people are hammering down on the the most fragile minorities, uh, immigrants, LGBTQ people, Jews aren't as fragile, but I mean, the ratio, the percentage rate, if you look at it, 
the numbers of of people who are are not those types of people is massive to the small proportion of people who believed that this country would provide them at least the basic decency and tolerance to let them exist how they want to exist without hurting other people. The problem with radicalization, uh, happy 4th of July, by the way, is that, you know, how close are we to othering becoming murderous? I mean, when you sit there and rant and rave in your red hat about uh, rainbow flags and and grooming and and taking books out of schools and uh, not teaching the honest history of this country. I mean, how far how far away are these people from any capacity for empathy or empathizing with the people that they are putting into these categories in the name of Christ, in the name of America, in the name of just basic fear of the different Uh, I don't know. I don't know when we cross that threshold, but happy 4th of July. Enjoy the meat. But this all transitions into my guest, to be honest with you. The guy that I talked to, I don't know where his book came from. It came to me somewhere. It must have came to my P.O. box. This happens sometimes. The book is called Operation Mindfuck, QAnon and the Cult of Donald Trump. It's by a guy named Robert Guffey. He's a lecturer at Cal State Long Beach, and he's written for The Believer Salon and the Los Angeles Review of Books. And I got this book, and look, man, I've got a soft spot for the nature of conspiracy and the power it has. Now, radicalization requires the sort of constant uh, drumbeat and psychological pummeling that comes from your phone, the networks you choose, the people you talk to, your podcasts, your radio shows, that, you know, if you exist in a bubble— and look, I guess there are many people that live in a bubble, but like, I, I don't know what bubble I'm specifically in. I, I don't really adhere to one, but if you choose a reality, see, I can see their reality. I can see the radicalized reality and I can, I know who they are and I know what they're up to. I don't have a caring empathy for them, but I get it. But I don't know if you can characterize most of us in the same way, other than being, you know, decent people who are tolerant. I mean, if you, this righteous intolerance is, uh, it, it is no good. Democracy cannot exist without the lubricant of tolerance. So when I saw this book, I'm like, well, has somebody put this together? Now, the backstory for me is, you know, I was susceptible and I believed in conspiracy theories at a different point in my life. I wrote about it uh, fairly extensively in my book, Jerusalem Syndrome. I had uh, sort of pushed my brain out past the point where it could manage critical thinking or or adhere to a practical reality. And, uh, and I locked on to a few things, uh, many of which have been folded in to the QAnon conspiracy, you know, primarily uh, in, uh, stuff within the halls of power, the Illuminati, uh, uh, the uh, Trilateral Commission, the One World Government, a lot of this stuff that is used as um, they're basically anti-Semitic in relation to what the, they see as a uh, Jewish run media, Jewish run world, a Jewish run global cabal or government. But these many of these conspiracies outside of those ones that kind of revolve around Jews and eating people uh, have been around for a long time. And there's many strands of them. I, I'll, I'll read you a bit of what I wrote about it. I, I do go off on this um, 
conspiracy rant within the book when I was out of my mind. I was coming off of a, a psychotic state that was induced from, I think, mild borderline personality disorder uh, in my in my youth and through my teens and through my early 20s into uh, cocaine addiction, which kind of blew my brain open into a psychotic state. And I was grabbing at straws, both mystical and uh, and sort of earthbound. And uh, in retrospect, or or looking at it in my book, Jerusalem Syndrome, I'll quote myself. The thing about conspiracy literature is that it's perfect for stupid people who want to seem smart and ground their hatred in something completely mystical and confusing. And it's good for smart people who are too lazy to do their homework. People can't argue with it without possibly implicating themselves. Facts play only a minor role in any conspiracy theory. The proximity of one series of facts to an event that might connect those facts to another series of facts is what it's really about. The object of the game is to connect the desperate facts in any way possible to get the outcome of we're fucked. Events can be broad, shady, real, unreal, preferably convoluted, and hard to deconstruct in any one way. This leaves them open to endless possible interpretations. An event can be broken down in many ways as long as it serves as a doorway to the facts that you want to connect. An event can revolve around a person involved, a color, a time, a government, a number, a date, a code, a logo, a distant relative, a passing moment at a point in time other than the time of the event, a bullet, an institution, forces of nature that are suspect in their timing, a sexual encounter, a co-worker, or basically anything that will enable you to construct your own arcane projectile riff that you can ride to your version of the truth. That's really a matter of style. Unquote me. Yes, I I can't believe, like, I sometimes read the stuff I wrote, and I'm like, did I write that? But nonetheless, all those things are true. But once it's put into the hands of propagandists and people with an agenda, that's what causes radicalization, the hammering. It's the hammering. So now, this conversation with Robert Guffey, we kind of bounce around a lot because I have, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a conspiracy nerd, but because I was involved in it, there are many books that were sort of around that time. There's a small community of people back in the day, a kind of like the morbid, uh, the morbid fascination crew that was uh, looking at all the weird uh, videotapes of uh, y- y- there were certain like faces of death, the Bud Dwyer suicide tapes, and it was sort of kind of ran alongside of this kind of you know hipster uh, conspiracy nerd thing. Uh, but these are historians. I would say that Robert Guffey is sort of a conspiracy historian. And some of the books we mentioned uh, or that I mentioned that changed my life and the way I saw the world. And to this day, I am grateful for them. Apocalypse Culture, edited by Adam Parfrey. It's a collection of, uh, of, of sort of renegade and truly um, transgressive uh, essays and pieces of writing that probably could not be published today. And in this volume, there is in the Apocalypse uh, Culture Volume One, there's an essay by a guy named James Shelby Downard that is called King Kill Slash. 33 degrees masonic symbolism in the assassination of john f kennedy now this thing is a spectacular bit of poetry and 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 beautiful kind of psychosis and sign reading and then there's an introduction to it by this guy named michael a hoffman the second who's still around called the alchemical conspiracy and the death of the west these are sign readers now downard I don't believe is with us. I believe Michael A. Hoffman is is still with us. And these are guys looking for the signs and symbols and and through lines and bits and pieces of uh, ephemera to sort of show the 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 grand face of the devil. 
all of this has been sort of uh, assimilated into the broader Christian fascist mindfuck, which is is QAnon. But what? And, and there are other books mentioned, you know, the Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare by Hoffman. But some of these are not well intended. Some of these are coming from the other side. Some of these are propaganda. There's a uh, books by Alex Constantine that we talk about. There's a book called the the unseen hand and the new world order by Epperson, who, you know, was part of the John Birch crew, I believe. And that's where I first got hip to it was I went to some sort of seminar at a hotel when I was lost and young. And it was uh, all these sort of like, look at the dollar bill, the eye in the pyramid, the Illuminati, all of it. And I kind of, as a character of Mark Maron, I talk about it in my book, but it is fascinating because to be aware of them to the degree that someone like Robert Guffey is and to really sort of take on QAnon as something other than a phenomenon uh, and to break it down and to look where it comes from and what its intentions are. This goes back a long time and there's all kinds of different strands of military psyops and there's military personnel who are involved in promoting this thing who have uh, either are either brain fucked themselves, but more likely are on board with the big win of fascism in America. So this is what the conversation is today. And I guess it's, 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 is it, is it prescient? Maybe it's prescient, but I think it might be appropriate for this particular 4th of July. Uh, you, you know, you be the judge, but, you know, try to follow along. And if it, it makes you curious, you know, read the book because this stuff did not come out of nowhere. I think the, you know, that more than anything else, you know, that's something we can take away from this. Hey, for those of you who are in L.A., I'm at Dynasty Typewriter on July 11th, 18th, and 25th. Uh, those are all Tuesdays, and I'm back at Largo on Thursday, July 27th. And just announced, I'll be at Helium in Portland, Oregon on October 20th through the 22nd. I've got dates coming up in Salt Lake City as well that are on the website. You can go to WTFPod.com for tickets, both uh, Salt Lake City and uh, Vegas at the Wise Guys Clubs, working out the new hour. Yeah, so basically what I'm admitting to you uh, here in so many words is that I I lost my mind, and I think some of you know that, but I, I truly lost my mind for a few years uh, and it was a long time coming and I, I'm just starting really you know at this age to put together a lot of the things that you know happened in my past that I did in my past and that I thought in my past it's almost you get to a certain age where you almost see yourself as a separate person because you've had many lives and whatever progress you've made or however you, you've changed. Some of it has to do with age. Some of it has to do with cognitive decision-making, repeating habits to change. Some of it has to do with a deeper understanding. But, uh, but sometimes you, there's parts of you that don't change at all, and it can be a little disconcerting. I'm kind of, I've been spiraling a bit lately about my age, about my relevance, about whatever it is that I'm trying to do on stage anymore, if and when and where and how and all that stuff, but I think it's part of my life, but also emotionally, relationship-wise, you know, what am I? How did I, you know, why am I? That kind of stuff. But ultimately, in terms of saving my mind, which I document in, uh, in, in, in Jerusalem Syndrome, the book, is that, you know, somebody had to bring me down to earth. Somebody had to connect me, reconnect me with Reality, these broad strokes, these uh, this othering, this, you know, now it's all under the flag of Christian fascism and uh, this idea of uh, making America great. This is a full press, folks, uh, by the right, by the uh, unashamed fascists. It's a full press and it's absorbing people 
every day, breaking their brains, uh, making them intolerant, and the othering will become murderous and has, in some cases, with um, psychotic people. But uh, that is a harbinger of things to come, uh, depending on the organization in place uh, in terms of the government. So, look, again, not trying to be sad. Happy Fourth of July. Watch your fingers. But this kind of investigation into conspiracy thinking, it's worthwhile because it may tell you something about yourself and it may inform you more about what we're up against as critical thinking people and actual free thinkers. Um, But it also will give it a context historically, this conversation and also uh, Robert's book, Operation Mindfuck, QAnon and the Cult of Donald Trump. Um, and you know, you can get that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You look for it. You can get it on Amazon. Let's talk to Robert now. The reason I wanted to talk to you is, is to, you know, contextualize and, and, you know, get some perspective on, really the evolution of the conspiracy theory organism. Yes. Right? Right. And because when I was younger, I had a couple of experiences. First was getting this Apocalypse Culture book and reading the James Shelby Downward. Absolutely. King Kill 33. King Kill 33 degree, right. Which is pr- probably really, in terms of literature, the, the best conspiracy theory I've ever read. Yeah, I, I I would say that if you were to do a sort of Norton anthology of important <laughs> nonfiction works of the latter half of the 20th century, you would have to include James Shelby Downer's King Kill 33rd Degree. Non nonfiction works. Well, it, it, it purports to be nonfiction. So maybe, you know, yeah, at, at CSULB, I teach a creative writing class called Creative Nonfiction. Mm. <laughs> you know. So that would be uh, your book, Operation Mindfuck. In a way, it is creative nonfiction. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, well, it has to be. Well, yeah, so you wait, I mean, you know, who are the... Uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of beacons for creative nonfiction. Would that be, you know, people like Hunter and... Uh, sure. Yeah. The, the new journalism, yeah. Norman Mailer, Joan Didion, uh, Tom, Tom Wolfe, Wolf, right. Hunter S. Thompson, yeah, absolutely yeah. merging a personal narrative with, sure. with fact, with right. reportage. Right. Uh, so when I read that, you know, I was sort of, because I, I think, oddly, it wasn't really a drug thing, though... I can't. I, I don't. I don't know if I can mark the period specifically. Yeah, it might have been because I had I had uh, cocaine psychosis in the late eighty, in like eighty seven, and it took me a while to shake that. And I was out here, and I was like, I was very involved with a, a an evolving conspiracy of my own my own making, revolving around Hollywood and, and some buildings. <laughs> so, so I had the genetic makeup to. I had the emotional makeup to to sort of believe. Well, Downer talks about the whole concept of uh, mystical toponymy. Is this what you're talking about? The buildings, like sure. connecting. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, like you know, all of it. He, I mean, it seems like in this book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, the Hoffman book. I mean, he's making a case for that. Sure, that it's intentional. Sure, right. So, which in in your book, you know, you kind of dance around whether or not QAnon and its its momentum was guided, or or just sort of happened with the energy behind it right i mean i at this point uh i i do think it was guided well uh, i mean that's what you kind of dump in in the last third of the book yeah yeah like yeah. The, the the indicator being the ex-military guy 
who was way ahead of the curve. Sure. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Paul Vallelay. Right. But like getting back to uh, where I want to go at first in discussing QAnon per, in particular is that I'm like I've always been curious about like I, I in my in my book Jerusalem Syndrome my memoir I wrote about uh, you know being consumed by conspiracies in Washington D.C. and talking to my buddy who worked for I believe Clinton at that point like literally in the White House and me going on about you know the structure of the mall the obelisk you know this the the, the pentagram and the Pentagon the, you know the way you know, the you know just speculating on random information I've got come from conspiracies and just telling my friend in a sort of a fever way you know can't you see it man and i remember he saved my life because he said look you know i hear you but people here just aren't that organized (laughs) (laughs) and it really it it dismantled it enough for me to have a relatively healthy life the i i recently um i was teaching a class and i had a student he he didn't know he had no idea he, he didn't realize that I, I myself am a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Freemason. Uh-huh. So he didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so he was telling me, uh, I, I saw a picture, a photo that he had on his folder uh-huh. of him and his two buddies and they're dressed in tuxedos. Right. And I go, what's that photo from? Is that like prom night or something? Yeah. He was like, oh, no, no. Uh, and he told me that he spends a lot of time on the internet and it was clear from his writing before that he was like really into conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, me and my buddies, we decided that we were going to try to infiltrate a Masonic lodge. <laughs> so we figured out when the night was that they were going to get together. Yeah. We, we rented these tuxedos and we went to the lodge to try to kind of just like slip in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, he said, he got there and there was just there was just one woman there. Yeah. Uh and she said, "Oh, they're not meeting tonight. They haven't met since the beginning of COVID." Yeah. Uh everything's on Zoom. Yeah. And and so they're like, "Oh." And then she I guess she was sympathetic or something. Yeah. She was like, uh, "Well, here's the code. Uh if you want to just jump on Zoom and see what they're doing cuz it's it's just an open meeting." It's, yeah. Uh and they were like, "Oh, okay." So they went home. Yeah. And they they hop on Zoom to see what's going on. Yeah. And the guy goes, he goes, it blew my mind, man. He goes, they were talking about setting up some sort of like picnic uh. and like a chili cookout. Yeah. And and me and my buddies decide that must be code uh-huh. for like like pizza gay, like pizza's yeah. code yeah. for pedophilia. Like maybe yeah. it's code for uh-huh. something. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah, maybe. And in my mind, I was thinking, I know that's just a fucking chili cookout. Like, I, I, I know these guys. Do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, so post-QAnon, you can take something as mundane as a chili cookout sure. and like transform it into something sinister. Sure. But but even before QAnon, if you were uh, you know, in the world of this type of information, which in my recollection, in the early 90s, that was sort of the heyday for sort of morbid hipsters, you, you know, kind of uh, gravitating to, you know, uh, faces of death videos, videos of, you know, Bud Dwyer blowing his brains out. And then Paranoia Magazine, yeah. right, Yes, was around in those circles. I yeah. think this must have been around the time that I picked up this stuff. Apocalypse Culture was around that time. Uh, in fact, I think I bought my copy of Psychological uh, secret societies and psychological warfare from yeah. uh, Newspeak, which, oh, yeah. was, which was Joan D'Arc's bookstore in Providence, Rhode Island. She ran Paranoia. Right, right. And, oh, she ran Paranoia. That's she, right. She ran Paranoia. I dedicate the book to her because she bought my first article 
back in 1996. For paranoia. For paranoia, yeah. Issue number 12. Wow. Now, wait. <laughs> so let me ask you then, because, look, I read the Illuminatus trilogy at some point during this, and, and I think because my brain was what it was, which I think was some mixture of mild borderline personality disorder and, and uh, kind of the remnants of psychosis— um, you know, I was reading Robert Anton Wilson saying like, oh, he's, uh, you know, he's kind of making this kind of lighthearted and fun to disguise the reality of the situation. Right. So, but, but ultimately I think what I need to know, uh, and I think what maybe my listeners are interested in or what I'm trying to figure out for myself is that something that Adam Curtis brought up in one of his documentaries, uh, I'm not sure which one it was and something that you bring up. And, and that's known stuff is that the origin of the Freemason conspiracy or the Illuminati, I'm sorry, was really a prankster in, intention, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, Illuminati, which holds great sway over the minds of aggravated, spiritually lost morons, was originally a joke. Well— Okay, we kind of have to parse it out here because um, that's it, what you're here for. It's a little convoluted in the sense there wasn't an Illuminati. Sure, you know, 1776. Yeah, uh, University of Bavaria. Yeah, yeah, Washington uh, in the apron. Was it Adam Weishaupt? Was it George Washington? Okay, <laughs> right. Okay, so Adam Weishaupt uh, actually did um, begin the secret society of the Illuminati. Yeah, you know, a, a, as a means of um, bypassing the the power of organized religion, the Roman Catholic Church, you know, these were scientists and artists who wanted to just do what they wanted to do. And so you had to create a secret society in order to do that in that structured. Uh, right. So you, you had to have a way to meet so you could eat, just discuss some guy's poem if, if that's what it is. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and the, the secret society was... Um, by, by the way, I've always found it interesting that uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yeah. uh, Victor, where he creates the, the monster is... The, the same university, University of Bavaria. That's oh, where he goes interesting. in Germany to create the the monster. And uh, Mary Shelley has the date as uh, seventeen blank blank. So we don't know what year. Uh -huh. So it's like he could have been hanging around Adam Weishaupt when he was creating his. Uh, <laughs> now, now Weishaupt, the the creator of the Illuminati, yeah. was he just a libertine? Yeah, yes, mm. uh, I think that that's a good way to describe it—a free thinker. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the society itself is short lived. Yeah. It only exists for a few years. Right. And it's not until it, it I, I talk about in the book about this kind of, um, hijacking the pendulum going back and forth mm -hmm. between right and left, particularly in the, in the fifties and early sixties, yeah. the John Birch society, particularly in Orange County. Yeah. Uh, very powerful. Yeah. And they, they are the ones who like bring back the whole Illuminati conspiracy theory, which had kind of faded, you know. Over but where did that start? I mean, if you're telling me it was a short-lived sort of secret society of artists and free thinkers that had to find a way to communicate and meet under the, the church and whatever was going on in Bavaria at the time, when does it get resurrected the first time as as some uh, some uh, conspiracy, far-reaching conspiracy in the culture of the world? I think it was a very convenient, you know, scarecrow, for whip, whipping boy uh, to 
similar to Freemasons, uh, the Knights Templar. So where this goes demonized. back. So the demonization goes back to the 18, 1700s. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And yes. that's where you get, you know, Ben Franklin, George Washington being associated with the Illuminati and the Freemasons. Right. Now, of course, some of the founding fathers were indeed Freemasons sure. or, or Deists, which is why I always find it amusing when you Deists. hear- uh, Jefferson was a famously a Deist. Yeah, yeah. So when, when people say the roots of United States of America is purely- Christian yeah, no is way. not exactly true. Some of them were deists. And deists is sort of a, 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 a more spiritual. Yes, more uh, of and a. And also appreciators of science. Uh, right, science and nature. Yeah. Uh, so I think, in fact, it was Jefferson who said, uh, commenting on the um, the Bible, he said, we should just shit can the whole thing, but keep keep everything that Jesus said in the New Testament, keep that shit can yeah, the rest of it. Right. Didn't use those exact words. but. And, and at the time, like I, I, you know, Ben Franklin in, you know, in conspiracy lore was this, you know, party animal who was a member of the, the Hellfire Club right. in England, correct? Yes, yes. yes. At, which was a notoriously a debauched right. bunch of Freemasons. Right. So if the Illuminati uh, thing starts in 1700, which is a short-lived kind of uh, meeting place for, uh, for free thinkers and poets and artists and, you know, people with big ideas – where does the uh, uh, Freemason thing start? Well, uh, according to traditional mainstream history, yes. uh, Freemasonry begins roughly in the 1700s. But uh, it's already been established now. We've seen actual written evidence of yeah. Freemasons meeting as early as the 16, early 1600s. Uh, in fact, I, I wrote a paper when I was an undergraduate okay. uh, analyzing the Masonic symbolism in Macbeth. Yeah. And the teacher gave me an F uh, and I, I, I met with her and I said, mm. I said, uh, I think there's a disparity here. I was expecting an A yeah. and uh, this is an F. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, Mainstream history says Freemasonry didn't begin until 1717. That's, you know, 100 years after Macbeth <laughs> yeah. was was written. Yeah. And I said, yes, but it, it did exist in an oral form before huh. that. Yeah. Uh, I, finally, I finally managed to to persuade her, and yeah. I, I got it switched to an A. Wow. But oddly enough, since then, because that was 1994, yeah. since then, actual a written documentation has occurred that shows that Freemasons actually did meet uh, uh, in as early as the 1600s. Yeah. Um, but it existed before that even earlier. Okay, well, yeah. now that we've sort of parsed uh, why why the Illuminati was created as a secret society, what was the intention of Freemasonry? Very similar. Mm. Uh, very similar in the sense of uh, the entire purpose of it was to create a kind of universalist uh, philosophy of trying to um, counteract the power of the Roman Catholic Church mm. uh, and say, listen, it doesn't matter what God you believe in. In order to be a Freemason, you have to believe in some sort of higher power. Sure. Right? But it doesn't matter. We're all just going to put it on the same rubric, the, the great architect of the universe. This, this, this gets rid of these sectarian warfare and just try to um, nail down the fact that, listen, at the end of the day, this is a metaphor. You know, I mean, yeah. Joseph Campbell once said, you know, that all these wars are fought over over metaphors. Yeah. It was during the, one of his interviews with Bill Moyer. Yeah. And Bill Moyer said, so you mean all these people, they're killing each other over a metaphor? Yeah. Uh, and Joseph Campbell said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, essentially, that's essentially the case. Well, that's the tribal mind, right? Right. Yeah. So, so one of the purposes of Freemasonry was to 
to cut down on that effect, you know, uh, break down the barriers between these sects, uh, different religions. Let's just put it all under one umbrella. And also uh, to break down on the entire class system, because you might have someone in the lodge who is like, you know, the janitor. Yeah. He might be the master of the lodge, but the guy who's the mayor of the town might be, you know, beneath him. Right. <laughs> You know, and in that guy's just got to suck it up. <laughs> well, well, right, Until exactly. Until he pays his dues. Uh, yeah. Gets his levels. Yeah. So, like, you know, when I was, when I when I first joined my Blue Lodge, which yeah. was in Torrance, uh, it just, it's just a weird coincidence that the, the, the master of the lodge at the time was a guy who worked in facilities management on campus at yeah. CSU Long Beach. Yeah. I used to see him driving around in the little white car, you sure. know, to fix the air conditioning yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But I, and then I met him in the lodge and yeah. he was the master. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. You yeah. know, I, I, I recognize you. <laughs> so this was a fraternal organization uh, uh, designed, I, I guess, you know, what is the, I mean, if it was initially about insulating themselves from, from the Catholic Church, which was very powerful in both of yes. these situations. Yes. And dictated, you know, in in a violent way, how one behaves in culture and, and right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now what, why the need, I don't know about the Illuminati necessarily, but why the need for ritual and Freemasonry? Is it just to make it more special? Well, th- there's a lot of um, there's a lot of symbolism that's encoded, okay, in, in the ritual and uh, right. I get that, but for what reason? Um, a lot of it. There's a great book called Freemasonry and the Birth of Modern Science by uh-huh. Robert Lomas, who okay. is a Freemason. Yeah, and he kind of goes into this uh, in extreme detail that a lot of this was um, encoded information about breakthroughs in science in geometry. Uh, in in architecture uh-huh. and and sort of encoding it in a way where if, se- if suddenly someone burst in and and uh, said we want the plan tortured everyone for yeah. the secrets yeah. they wouldn't even understand it yeah you know and these these things have passed through through decades through hundreds of years yeah. to the extent that. I know, for example, at the Blue Lodge level, which is, when I say Blue Lodge, that's yeah. the first three degrees, first, yeah. second, and third degree. Okay. If you want to go past that, you either join the Scottish Rite or the York Rite, and that's right. that's fourth through 32nd. Okay. The 33rd is an honorary degree. It's not something that you can request. It's something that's- Sure, man. Like, I, and there's like, I've, I've read papers on how, you know, Neil Armstrong did a Masonic ritual on the moon. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, you got to plant the flag. You know, we did it thanks to the science that was coded before. You know, <laughs> and and as since you've read Apocalypse Culture, you'll know that Jack Parsons uh, helped rocket create the, the rocket fuel that got us to the moon, right? Yeah, but that guy, you know, that's a that's a, a Freemason Crowleyite crossover. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, his sense of ritual was not limited. To the Freemasons. That's right. You you get all these branches. You know, sure. I mean, there's, for example, there's um, lodges that are considered to be clandestine lodges even uh-huh. today. Uh-huh. Uh, though, you know, for example, co-masonry. Yeah. Uh, co-masonry is a form of Freemasonry where women can join. Mm-hmm. It started in France. Okay. Of uh, course it did. <laughs> of course it did. Progressive French. And they're based in Colorado. But there's there's branches of co-masonry here. I mean, I've known people who are members of, who are co-masons. But but in your experience, though, like you know, in talking about the 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 presence that Freemasonry and the Illuminati hold in the the fevered conspiratorial mind uh, and their uh, um, understanding 
or belief in global control mm-hmm. uh, is not what's talked about at your lodge. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, hey, wait, wait, before I forget, now, was Weishaupt a Jew? That's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that. Well, where do the Jews come in <laughs> well, in the 1700s? Uh, uh, as you'll see, um, having read Michael Hoffman's uh, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, it's interesting, Hoffman, you know, who is a Holocaust denier, you know. Uh, um, nonetheless, he's also a student of the occult. That's why I find it interesting because he's really obsessed with the occult, yeah. but he's opposed to it, yeah. you know. Uh, so you get kind of, sometimes you get accurate information, you know, filtered through his kind of fractured mindset. Well, that, I mean, I think that's a through line of your book, is that how do you sort it? Because it needs the factual information to actually get, you know, traction in, in reality. A- absolutely. Any, any, any disinformation campaign has to have a core of truth to it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to be believable. Right. So what are you saying about the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Kabbalah has always played a major role, uh, particularly in the Scottish Rite. Uh, okay. Um, Albert Pike, uh, who started the Scottish Rite. Uh, he was very much into Kabbalah. So a lot of that stuff is pulled into Morals and Dogma, which is like the main book. That... And the Scottish Rite's the big one. That's the big Freemason Lodge. Right. That's that's fourth through 32nd degree Yeah, is is the Scottish Rite. And Albert Pike wrote all the degrees pretty much from the And fourth. how do you get, uh, how do you climb? Um, well, you, uh, first you have to apply. Uh, once you've gone through the third degree at the yeah. Blue Lodge level, yeah. you have you have to apply. You can either go into the York Rite yeah. or the Scottish Rite. <clears throat> the York Rite is more, it's more Christian-based. Mm. Uh, I didn't join the York Rite. You can join both. Mm. You can do both. Sure. Uh, I, I decided- I feel like to... we're doing outreach for the Freemasons. So listen, people, if you're interested, <laughs> become one of the global owners of the Jew-run government, global government. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because uh, I have run into people. I w- I had a girlfriend who lived in Riverside yeah. back around two thousand five. Yeah, and she had these two friends. They were uh, twins named Angel and Bambi, which uh-huh. blew my mind that that was the real that sure. was the actual name. Yeah, uh, and uh, they were both really into conspiracy theories. Yeah. So then when they when she introduced me as you know oh he's a Freemason, they kind of got a little weird about. It. <laughs> And they, when I was around them, we would have these conversations yeah, sure. like, like we're having right now. Yeah. And it all seemed very uh, friendly. Yeah. But then when I would leave, my girlfriend would say, yeah, they told me I should break up with you because, you know, you're going to pull me into some kind of <laughs> sadistic scenario. And, uh, I was like, and then, but then when I was with them, they would, they would act completely friendly around me. Yeah. Uh, but one night I was there keep with- Keep your enemies closer. You know, keep your friends <laughs> Maybe close, your enemies closer. That's what it was. Sure. I remember the one named Angel uh-huh. took me to the Mission Inn in Riverside and was pointing out the encoded Illuminati symbols oh. in the mural oh, in the Mission Inn. Sure. Uh, none of which I recognized, but I, I kind of like was nodding and <laughs> Was agreeing. she looking for validation? I think she was looking for validation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she had a boyfriend who was- her also her drug dealer. Sure. And she was urging him to ask me a question one night. And, mm. and finally she was like, just ask him, just ask him. Yeah. And the, the guy was like, oh, I was just wondering like, how do you join the Freemasons? Like you have to be invited in, right? Like you'd have to invite me in mm. or, or I have to have a relative. And I go, no, I go, you can just, 
you can just go. In fact, there's actually a rule that you're not supposed to recruit. Right. You're not supposed to go out and yeah. tell someone sure. you should join. Yeah. It has to be someone's like voluntary. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be uh, willing to do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so you just go and you ask for the application. You pay the application fee, and then they'll send people. If you're married, they'll send people out to talk to your wife. And, yeah. Or and say. Is she okay with this? If she's not okay, they'll just drop it. Yeah. Uh, is she going to mind you wearing the hats and saying the things? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be <laughs> disturbed by this? If yeah, she says, yeah. yeah, I'm disturbed, then yeah. they'll just drop it. Oh, interesting. Uh, and Or they may they go and talk to people you know and, yeah. and or look sure. into your yeah. background. Right. You have a criminal right. background? Or, right. You know, uh, uh, we don't want any troublemakers in the Masons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, unless you're Jack the Ripper. Uh, well, you know that's uh, you know it's funny. Uh, the, the Blue Lodge they asked me to write yeah. a um, an essay for their website yeah. that was like the top twenty recommended books on Freemasonry. Yeah. And so, from my perspective, I thought it was important to include some anti Masonic books uh-huh. because that's part of it. Sure. It's the yin yang. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. want to understand how people perceive yeah. Freemasonry, you should include these. So yeah. I included Jack the Ripper: The Final Solution by Stephen Knight, and and some other. So one was a book called The Deadly Deception, sure. which is by like a Christian evangelical who had yeah. been a Freemason and left. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was important to include these things. Yeah, uh, and and uh, they, the the guy called me. And he said, "Why did you include these <laughs> anti Masonic texts in the in the list?" I go, "Well." Um, it's really an important part of it. And a lot of the guys at the lodge were not aware of the perception. They weren't aware. Of the, they, most of them are older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, oh, right. Well, how are they going to keep up? The guys with the AOL accounts. How are they going to know about <laughs> Paranoia magazine? Even even before that. Sure. Because uh, at one point they were having- uh, they What, were, they didn't know any birchers? No, no, they did have experience. I, I remember being told stories about going on this one guy told me he went on a camping trip and he had the Masonic bumper sticker. Sure. And these Southern Baptists had left all these like Jack T. Chick, <laughs> this, the Curse the of Baphomet, the tracks, uh, pamphlets on the on the on the windshield. They make those down on York Boulevard over here. I think I don't know if he's still the like they used to publish him down there. The so Jack was, T. Chick. They yeah, yeah. Here. Well, they uh, they they have a you can there was a place down in York. That had all those the tracks, you know the 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 comics, right? That's what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I don't I don't know where he's from originally. Uh, I think he's I think he is based in California. Yeah, I think it was down on York. It was at least one of the places. That's great. Jack T. Chick, of course, is I th- I think he's passed away by this yeah. point. But yeah. they're still producing. Of course, news. they're great. You used to when I was a kid, you'd find them on the street and shit. Absolutely, and you'd be like, "What is this?" And it'd just be <laughs> these weird little moral comic books, and they were the greatest because some of them Absolutely. were dirty. There, uh, Steve Bissett, who's a comic book artist yeah. uh, he worked with alan moore on swamp thing yeah oh yeah he, i know that guy great uh, Bissett points out that jack chi chick is the most uh successful underground cartoonist who ever lived yeah more so than robert crumb sure interesting because <laughs> uh, it was uh everybody had access to this i yeah. mean either I, I would find them on bus benches yeah and they were perverse they were great there was like absolutely. demon fucking there was all kinds of <laughs> absolutely and you can tell there, there's different art styles. There's yeah. the ones that Jack T. Chick drew. Right. And then he had an assistant who did a lot of, had a more realistic style. Okay. Um, but they're all fascinating. And uh, they're kind of strange, almost like outsider artwork. Sure. Uh, but several of them are anti-Masonic, the Curse of Baphomet. Well, right. Um, there's a classic anti-Mormon one, uh-huh. which has my favorite Jack T. Chick panel of all time. Yeah. You see two Mormons from the back. They're knocking at the door. Yeah. You see a woman 
and she's looking through the curtains yeah. out at the Mormons. Yeah. And the thought balloon reads, gasp, the Mormons, yeah. exclamation point. <laughs> uh, so, so well, also like, you know, in popular culture, when was the last time you watched The Man Who Would Be King? I mean, that's a Freemason movie. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a great one. Well, I suspect Houston was a Freemason. Had to be. Because uh, you also see that symbolism in Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Interesting. Uh, if you remember at the beginning where the guy asked him for, uh, you know, can you give me a handout? And and then Humphrey Bogart, you know, says, uh-huh. you know, take a walk or whatever. Yeah. That happens three times. And each time he, he um, there's a, I think the guy's wearing a Masonic ring. Uh-huh. And, and then he even uses a Masonic phrase. Oh, was that, uh, but wasn't that played by Houston? Wasn't the guy I in the white right. suit? Yes, uh, yes, you're right. Yeah. I haven't seen it in so yeah. many years. Yeah. But yes, there's Masonic symbolism in Treasure of the Sierra Madre and in The Man Who Would Be King. Okay, so that's interesting because in, in a contemporary application of what it means to be a Mason and engaging in the symbolism, it gives you a sense of connectivity with history that can go back as far as, you know, unknown tribes in in the in the in the lost world, like you know, the man who would be king, right? But certainly, Egyptian mythology is incorporated into the symbolism, right? A- absolutely. So then you sort of get this way of kind of writing history, and if you have a creative bent and, and want to use the narrative for story, you know that is th- that is some an interesting way to present uh, coded material with a secret nod to uh, a historical brotherhood. Uh- Kipling was clearly drawing upon there was a school of Freemasonry called the Anthropological School. Uh-huh. And these were Freemasons who were really obsessed with going around various areas of the world and finding like prehistorical evidence of of Freemasonry. Well, that's the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a lot of Masonic symbolism in sure. there. Spielberg has a huge Masonic library. Um Does he? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh uh and and um and so you might say if if Michael Hoffman was listening to this, <clears throat> he is might, he alive? He's alive. Yeah, he lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Of course, he does. I have actually corresponded with him. Oh yeah, was he living a bunker up there with some <laughs> several generations of wrong-minded white people? <laughs> I, I think that that's a safe guess. <laughs> I, the, what was your correspondence with him? This was back in. Um, 2000, and uh, I had ordered away for a pamphlet that he published called Masonic Assassination, mm. and there were three chapters. The first chapter was about how the Masons had killed uh, Joseph Smith. Sure. Uh, the other one was about how they had killed... <laughs> Battling secret societies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Mormons grow out of the Freemasons. Like, Joseph Smith had been a Mason. And sure. So he incorporates... where, where do you think you get golden plates? I mean, you got to make up a symbol, man. You got to... It's all hinging on the metaphor, like Joe Campbell said. Absolutely, yes. I mean, and and the people who manufacture the best metaphor are have the more the longer lasting uh, religion. <laughs> well, right now with QAnon, it's who can manufacture the best flags and T-shirts and hats. Man, when I, I see them out in the world with their flags, I'm like, holy shit! Someone is doing some design work. <laughs> Do you know? Well, absolutely. I saw I saw Jordan Klupper, you know, yeah. the Daily Show, yeah. right? Uh, he he was there January sixth. Then about six months later, uh, he was doing his first Trump rally. Yeah. After all that. Yeah. And at one point, he said, "I saw something I thought I'd never see before." Yeah. And and then he goes, "There's cues everywhere." So I thought it was fascinating that he was surprised 
because I wasn't surprised. Sure. <laughs> I knew that January 6th wasn't going to like end that thing. You know, that, of course, that was gonna so it just... was going to you know, solidify it. Yeah, but, yeah, go ahead. There's a recent poll that said uh, like 30% of Americans are sympathetic to, to sure, QAnon. Sure, yeah, yeah well, that's nice. Recent... God forbid it be the Jew. <laughs> so... Oh, can, oh, Michael Hoffman. Yeah. I, 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 I sent him... Oh, yeah. And then the third chapter was about assassinating Edgar Allan Poe, that the Masons had killed Poe. Yeah. Because he had written um, The Cask of Amontillado. Yeah. And there's a brief sequence in there that has like a kind of jab against the Freemasons. Yeah. So he thought that the Masons read that and they killed him three years later. Um, and so God, I wrote... It's a, so amazing what you can do with history if you're creative. Absolutely. And that's the whole, you know, I wrote something in Jerusalem Syndrome, my book, where I said, conspiracy theories are good for stupid people who want to feel smart and smart people who don't want to do their homework. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a pretty good <laughs> yeah. aphorism. Yeah. Uh, Michael, particularly if you're, you know, obviously every time you read something and you're looking at it through one perspective, you're always going to see that same thing. But right? also like, the, you know, we can talk about this in a second as soon as I, uh, I ask this other question. But it, but it's also about, you know, having closure or that, you know, that speaks to your fears that and also that, you know, supports the, your, your, your vague point of view about, you know, what is real and what isn't. Right. And also what what is keeping you down? It seems that, you know, with the Illuminati, with the, oh, we didn't, I'd like to, before we get, go the, here about, about Christians is, is the protocols of the elders of Zion. Sure. Now I never read what you said in your book that it was, it could have initially been a satire. Yes. It's, it's, it's generally regarded that it was originally a piece of fiction uh -huh. that had absolutely nothing to do with and, Nazis, with the Jews. But this is what, this is the seat of what they hang the entire Jew-run global government on. Yes, it was. A, it was a play. It was a satirical play. In re in reaction to what the church again? Yes, it was a t completely different context. Yeah. they just they just pulled out you know one word and Who? then replaced it. Who with is the they? Jew, the the Nazis, the propaganda. Joseph Goebbels. Oh, so that's where that came. From. Oh yeah, they they changed it. Okay. They altered it. On purpose. So that was that was actually really in, in terms of what we're talking about, the most modern adaptation and use of conspiracy as propaganda that was taken from fiction that might have been sort of anti-establishment art. Yes, that's why. Yes, absolutely. That's why that's that's another example of the hijacking flipping phenomenon I talk about in the book. On January yeah. 6th, I remember as I was watching everything unfold, I wrote yeah. my notebook. It suddenly struck me, oh, a QAnon equals Joseph Goebbels' propaganda arm. Yeah. And then the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers are yeah. like the SS and the brown shirts. <laughs> Except they don't dress as well. <laughs> that's true. They need a better uh, design. Better, you, well, that's yeah, I do a joke in my special is that, you know, they're just uh, we're just waiting for the stupids to choose a uniform. <laughs> so <laughs> someone got to get a designer involved. Apparently, they're too busy working on cue flags and hats. Right, exactly. They don't, yeah, they need someone, um, they need like a Lenny Riefenstahl or someone sure, to let's, come in. Let's and not be... push too hard. You know, <laughs> you know, Bannon kind of presented himself as the Lenny Riefenstahl, but, you know, it, was, it turns out he's just a hack. Like, God forbid anybody with a real creative vision gets hold of these guys, we're in trouble. But, uh, you know, they, that, you, you know, but, but from what you're saying, well, let's get back to the Jews is that, you know, outside of historically the Jews being marginalized, you know, because of they were required in medieval society to do things Christians weren't legally allowed to do, like lend money and whatnot. So those stereotypes were built, you know, like the uh, the the uh, Rothschild uh, arm of the Jew run world conspiracy 
comes out of the banking family establishing themselves during medieval times as moneylenders because Christians weren't allowed to. Correct? Right. Okay. Absolutely. So that's that part of the anti-Semitic trope. The other part was uh, kind of uh, exploded by Goebbels taking the elders uh, of Zion uh, and reframing it as, uh, uh, as, as proof that Jews need to be, you know, leveled, killed. There's the and, – and also uh, – and this is not well known. Uh, during the Holocaust, uh, Freemasons – were, were wiped out as well. The, they, they would shut down the Masonic lodges early on, uh, and um, they viewed them as being, you know, uh, Jew-infected secret societies, and they needed to be wiped out. Were they? Oh, yeah. Were they yeah. Jew-infected secret <laughs> societies? <laughs> well, the, uh, I mean, I, I assume there might have been overlap. I mean, there might have been some Jews in in the Freemasons. But, but I think that, like, in order for Nazism or fascism in general to work, and, and it's sort of like... You know the the only hope that we have is is that we're uh, a federalized system. I mean, I, it seems like you know that there's going to be it's gonna it's gonna be a big undertaking to completely usurp the American government all across the board. I would think. Well, that's why it's what's concerning is when you see uh, so many members of the military and law enforcement. Being yeah, I know, into, I know. Into it's, QAnon. Well, that's uh, it, that's really got me. Spooked and crazy, but not just into QAnon, but into you know shameless uh, white nationalism and fascism. Yo, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, and I know that this is the origin myth of American new American fascism. I get it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and they're retrieving retrieving things that had you know the Satanic Panic and 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 uh, and anti Masonic. Well, yeah, it incorporates lore. all that. But real quick, before we get to, to, I'm just trying to lay a nice firm bedrock here. So the Freemasons were actually victimized during Nazi Germany because fascism can exist with alternative secret societies. Right. Yes, a rival. Right. So, But in that, in Nazism, because they were so thorough and there seemed to be some very inspired geniuses in there around this stuff, you know, the, you know, the Jews got to go, the Catholics got to go, Freemasons got to go, and we have to reinterpret Christianity to serve our, our end. Yes, yes. Have you seen the uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, just recently? There is this uh, white supremacist group has been going around creating nine foot tall holograms that they project onto the sides of buildings that are swastikas wrapped around Christian crosses. This is the problem. Christian fascism is the problem. And it is this American version of it. Like, you know, coming up through the second time I came in contact with the, the one world government. You know, it was around the Bush administration and there was talk about it. But like all the stuff that really runs the world, you know, is is not hiding. You know, the, the, you know, there's a, you know, people were hung up on the trilateral commission. They were, you know, hung up on, you know, this one world government thing. But that's all that was by design. That is a thing. But it's got nothing to do with Jewish bankers, you know, aside from in a business sense. Right. You know, it's it's it is the 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 sort of end game of capitalism. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the G six, that's that's where your conspiracy is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, John Ronson, who did you know the men who stare at goats? Yeah. Uh, he did. This, I've been interviewed that guy. I like that guy. Yeah. He did this whole documentary called what was it? The Masters of the World. Yeah. Oh, the behind the Bohemian Grove Grove thing. Bohemian Grove, right? He was the one who asked Alex Fucking Jones clowns. to <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you know he first asked David Icke to do it, and David Icke 
refused. He said, uh, he goes, that's where they, they, they shapeshift into reptilians. And I don't want that's to see that. Growth. So David Icke, see, that's the one thing people don't realize. They're like, these guys believe this shit. Yes. And, and on some level, they have yeah. to believe they are grifters. Yeah. I, think, I think Alex Jones, is a sh- he doesn't know anymore from his own bullshit. He's just, yeah. But they're grifters. You know, there's a hustle to it. He was really a, a vitamin salesman is, is really what he was, right? <laughs> and whether he believes all that stuff or not, he, he, he sort of have to after a certain point. So Ike believed it. Yeah, it's just like uh, I suspect that Alan Hubbard, when he started Scientology, probably knew that all of this was fiction. Well, of you course. Know. I mean, he was the greatest grifter of all. And he was like locked in with not unlike Manson, who went a different direction and fortunately didn't become you know, powerful as anything other than a, a, a bad witch who uh, fueled murderers and, you know, and whose prosecution helped end the 60s at the hands of <laughs> the conservatives. Right. Yes. So <laughs> but but what you get with Hubbard is a very calculating dude who was building a spiritual system by wandering around the the the, the Los Angeles countryside and writing sci fi novels and hanging out with Crowleyites. And, right? and, and Parsons. Yes. You're getting back to that. Yeah. Well, Hubbard, Parsons, the rocket scientist uh, and his wife. Yes. Marjorie Cameron. Yes. 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 There's the story uh, that. Uh, the science fiction writer Harn Ellison. Yeah, uh, I, qu- I quote him at one point in the book. He uh, he talked about being at the backyard barbecue in New York. Yeah, and Hubbard's there, and Hubbard was among the people they looked up to because he was the reigning king of pulp fiction. Yeah, uh, and uh, Hubbard said, "I'm tired of making a penny a word. I think I want to start a religion." And and everyone at the party was, "Ha, oh, Ron." Yeah, yeah, and they didn't know he was absolutely completely serious about it. Yeah, um, and the interesting thing about that, it was because he wanted to make more money. Well, he wanted to make more money, yeah, and and he figured out how to do it, so he created— Creating the metaphors, dude. He, he it, That's the thing. I, I always wondered if that's why he felt the desire to make Xenu, uh, because in order to be a religion, you need to have some sort of deity. Of course. Uh, you need to have a, a creation myth. Yeah. Uh, and so he— he decided to create a, a creation myth to yeah. make it an actual church so it could be, you know, yeah. income tax free and 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 all of that. And so at some point, I think he uh, began to believe his own bullshit. Well, I think that comes with the inflation of ego. I mean, like, I, I don't know that it happens like one day you believe it. Right. I think that the feelings of power, you know, yeah. change your perception of things. Well, and why not believe if, it? If you've surrounded yourself with people who are treating you like a god, uh-huh. then why would you not, you know, well, yeah. maybe I am, you know. Yeah. I, in fact, <laughs> you know, I, I, I live... That's, in, the, that's the man who would be king. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and uh, uh, I live in Long Beach. Yeah. And that's where Hubbard used to... Um, there's a guy named Bent Corden who was a, m- a member of Scientology. He wrote yeah. a book called Errol Hubbard, Madman or Messiah. Yeah. And uh, um, Ben Corden was living in Long Beach at one point when he wrote the book. And uh, it was in Long Beach where Hubbard would come in in disguise yeah. because he was wanted for tax evasion both in the United States and in England. Uh-huh. So that's he was on his yacht, uh, Excalibur, yeah. going back and forth between the two. But sometimes he would wear a wig and a yeah. hat and come into the port of Long Beach and hang out yeah. there. I don't know, go to the pipe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hang out, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, it's just, it's fascinating to think of this guy, um, basically it's, I heard, I heard an interview with Neil Gaiman once where he, someone asked Neil Gaiman, if you weren't a writer, what would you be? Would you, what would be your ideal career if you were not a writer? And Neil Gaiman said, I think it would be lovely if people came to me and said, I want a religion, uh, just tailored for me. Yeah. Uh, and this this is what I want in it the the various philosophies and uh, and and maybe the the creation myth 
would have this sort of point to it, but I don't know how to do that because yeah. I'm not a, a writer. And so Neil Gaiman said that he his job would be to create the creation myth to suit what you wanted yeah. and, and make the philosophy fit yeah. with the creation yeah, myth. Yeah. And, and, uh, and people could just come to him and, and ask for these things. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, and I thought, what a lovely idea. Yeah. That's sort of like a positive version of, of what people like Hubbard and these other people do. They they create like negative creation. Well, they have to be up against something. They have to, be, they have to create an enemy and, yeah. and they also have to um, embed the myth with all, all everything's going to come back to worship me. You mm. know, I, I'm the solution. I mean, that's the thing with, with QAnon. It always comes back to, well, Trump's the solution. Um, yeah, and, and, and the modern form... Uh, so Freemasons always been a stickler for Christians, and the, the Illuminati, in its current sort of manifestation as a conspiracy theory, was popularized in the late '60s by those two sort of you know anarchist hippies, right? Right, right. So that's the first. What's their names? Uh, Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson and K Carrie Thornley. Yeah, right. Uh, well, Anton Wilson did the book, but I thought that was after the fact, wasn't it? Didn't it start with those other two Greg, guys? Greg Hill and yeah. Carrie Thornley were the. The, the, who who knew Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah, it was friends with Carrie Thornley. Was friends with Lee Harvey Oswald before he killed it. Yeah, yeah, president. he wrote a book about Oswald before Oswald had anything to do with the, <laughs> the JFK assassination. It's called The Idle Warriors. It's uh -huh. a novel. Yeah. about his time in the Marines, Carrie Thornley's time in the Marines, and there's a character based on, on Oswald. Her, yeah, and the whole manuscript was written before yeah. the assassination. Huh. Uh, and then. Uh, it, it, Carrie Thornley is a, a nexus point of strangeness because then later on he, he works for Jim Garrison. Yeah. And Jim Garrison, when he realized that Carrie Thornley used to know Lee Harvey Oswald, thought that Carrie Thornley was part of some conspiracy against him. Oh, the guy, <laughs> the guy who was building the big conspiracy. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. and then uh, la later, Carrie Thornley thought that he was some sort of um, mind controlled. Oh, uh, that he was, uh, he was, like he a, was pawn. A, a pawn. Yeah. yeah a Manchurian yeah, yeah. candidate of yeah. some kind. And so they create the Discordia. Uh, the Principia Discordia, yes. which is this kind of like pre-subgenius, you know, yeah. fa fake religion, you know, yeah. sat satirical religion. Yeah. Uh, and Robert Anton Wilson, who was the- but that, that was the time of like, th this was the not left, not right, sort of, y you know, mid to late 60s anarchist version of taking down the system. Absolutely. You know, yes. Chaos. Anti-establishment yes. chaos yeah. magic. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and they see the, the Birchers getting all this traction, accusing, you know, Florida, fluoride in the water yeah. is a mind control. Sure. Uh, uh, communist mind control. Yeah. Uh, and they bring back the Illuminati yeah. and they say all these, you know, liberals are sure. members of the Illuminati. So that the Freemasons. That's the Birchers, right? Well, they did it. So they're the ones that, they're the real predecessors. Coming out of Orange in County. The, in the conservative movement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's where your elders come from. Right, right. And okay. then and then Robert Anton Wilson yeah. and these guys see this and think, oh, great, let's hijack this. Right. And so then they start, they start, they start creating their own anonymous pamphlets. And then Robert Anton Wilson is using his position as an editor at Playboy. Yeah. He was the letters editor. Yeah. So he would write letters and publish them in the letters page yeah. saying, you know, uh, Henry Kissinger's a member of the Illuminati. Right. Uh, Richard Nixon is secretly a member of the, oh, okay. the Freemasons, or right? And uh, and then, but and this is how this differs from QAnon. Yeah, is that they actually had a sense of humor and the certain puckishness about them that they would actually publish letters saying that Robert Anton Wilson was a member of the Illuminati. Don't Who believe would? any. Uh, they themselves. Okay, Robert right. Anton Wilson would write a letter. Well, the other difference also <laughs> yeah. is that they're they're just sowing seeds of chaos to dismantle 
the bullshit, whereas QAnon, you know, has an objective yes. that that is is uh, political. You know, theirs was just to start shit, right? Well, well, to start shit and to to um, dismantle the the Bircher propaganda. Right. Yeah, you know, like you, you now you're chipping away at that, and that now there are now you have that's when the Illuminati becomes a Rorschach symbol. So you yeah. have like the liberals who think that the Illuminati are Nazis, secretly Nazis yeah. running the, right. the country. And then you have like the right wingers. No, no, the Illuminati are secretly communists. And Jews. And, and Jews. Yeah. Uh, secretly controlling yeah. uh, the the country. And the Illuminati at that point becomes this weird ink blot test. So uh, so the Freemasons were always sort of there. And then the, the Illuminati gets the new treatment in the 60s by the Birch, Birchers and by the, the anarcho hippie guys, the Discordia guys, sure. right? But ultimately, you know, when I, what, what I was going to get around to was the other exposure I had to this was, you know, probably in George Bush Sr.'s period, I went to some weird meeting at a hotel somewhere because I saw an advertisement for the, the New World Order. And I, it must have been a bircher because they, they, it was a guy that was doing out handouts. It was a, maybe it was Lynn LaRouche. It was one, it must have been one of his guys. It wasn't him. Uh-huh. But it, the two books that were recommended and sold were the Ralph Epperson books, which is the New World Order and the Unseen Hand. Yes, yes, I have, I have both of those. Those are bircher, right? Yeah. Well, essentially, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, it could have been, it could have been a, a LaRouche. That's what I, I think it was, but it was all, you know, look at the money, you know, the, 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 the pyramid, the eye in the pyramid all the way through it. Yeah. 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 That was the trip. So that's a Bircher trip. And and what year was this? I don't know, dude. It must've been, you know, in the uh, early nineties. Early nineties. Now, now this, uh, seeing how far this particular edition of Apocalypse Culture you have is, is, a, is a first edition. So you were, you bought this at the time when, yeah. it, when it came out. So did What I, time was that? Well, this is, uh, I think, 89, I believe. Um, 87. Yeah, so it would have been around there probably. Did, I, I'm just curious, was this a personal obsession of yours or did you have friends who were also into this kind of thing? Like I bought, I'm trying to remember where I got that. Like I got, I think it was like, I think I was in New York and there was stuff going on. There were bookstores around. You know, and the Amuck Press, like, meant something, you know, and, like, so did Semiotext. I was trying to wrap my head around a lot of stuff. And Semiotext was fun, primarily ph- philosophy that I yeah. couldn't quite handle. And I'm trying to remember where I picked up that first edition of Apocalypse Culture. Uh, I'm trying to think what bookstore I got it in, but I was so thrilled about it. You know, and then I interviewed Parfrey before he died, too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I I should. Dig I it up. Dig it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I was just, I just became fascinated with this world because like the outsider art thing in there. And then like, it just like, I don't, I wish I remember where I bought it, but it was almost like it gave me an entirely new, uh, template for my mind. Yeah. Which I think was the goal of that book. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think Robert Anton Wilson saw conspiracy theory as another, as a mind altering uh, venue isn't Operation uh, Mindfuck one of his sayings? Uh, well, Operation Mindfuck is the the that's the Discordian. Uh, yeah, yeah. The it comes out of Illuminatus first, yeah. and then Cosmic Trigger later right. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Operation Mindfuck is what we what we've been describing. So he thought it was a a a, a, a change in perception, or a, an alter mind alter. Yeah, you, in other words, uh, sort of if like you, can uh, it. you could put conspiracy theory into the same category as say ceremonial magic, right? LSD, yeah, you know the the uh, in secret society. Oh my initiations. god, really? That's true. That's how I see. That's a context that helps me. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in terms of it's something that's a circuit breaker. Right. So he was like into the mind fuck. Yeah, in, in, in a positive way. Yeah. In the sense of uh, this is, I, I once interviewed uh, Bishop Stephen Heller, who's mm. the Gnostic bishop in LA. Yeah. And uh, I, I asked him um, if, uh, w- what was it about Gnosticism that, that was so taboo. Yeah. What what was it that that Christians and the mainstream culture didn't like about it? And he said, "Well, it was because it was a way of of uh, seeing uh, society in a completely different context. Yeah. It was that it was that aspect of it that was so uh, fearful. Uh, and and so and and I think the early um, Masonic initiations, like when you went through the third degree, yeah." was uh, an early attempt to create a circuit breaker in your brain. You know, this was an attempt to take you to a different mind space. Right. Uh, and you can do that with, with ceremonial magic. Uh, Which is but, why it was like, there's some of that in Freemasonry. Yes. And yes. there's some of it like, and that's the whole Crowley trip. And, and, and Heller said, um, he was talking about how he knew Israel Rigardi. Uh, and He's Crowley's uh, legacy. Or guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Rigardi said that you should have a, a, a some uh, root rooting in uh, psychology before yeah. you attempt ceremonial magic. Yeah. Because it can really screw with your head. Uh, and and Heller said, but the problem is the exact opposite people are attracted to it. <laughs> so so if if you if you have any kind of like personality disorder or anything like this, you probably shouldn't. You know, go into ceremonial magic without having a context, without having right, like you, some grounding, grounding. So, like when you go to find your answers, you can come back. Yes, and I, I would say that conspiracy theories that it's it's almost the same as ceremonial magic. You should have some grounding before you go into it, because otherwise you're going to get lost in the void and not come back and, again. But but here we go with QAnon. You're saying that that is exactly the intention yes, in yes. in terms of old school propaganda. It's weaponized. It's weaponized, but it's an amalgamation of at least a half dozen you know pre-existing conspiracy yeah, theories. Absolutely. And all this stuff is you know there you know. It seems like almost all of the pushback uh, uh, against these these things or the interpretation of the world this way is is fundamentally some form of Christianity. Yes. And so QAnon, you know, after the beginning of it, you know, sought to in your book, I, I think the supposition is at a certain point they realized they got to give some meat to the Christians because those are going to be the ones that drive it. Because in my mind, if you believe in God, you'll believe anything. So. So they needed to get those guys. They need to get the Christians. So they they that's when it became it evolved into that. I, I think what's ingenious about QAnon is I think somebody at some point looked at say the George W. Bush administration, right. where the base was evangelical Christians. Yes. And someone said, Why limit us to that? Uh and so they create a mythology, a mythos, uh QAnon mythos, that is kind of a big ten. Yeah. It goes beyond just evangelical Christians. It, it, it includes them. It includes your friend who you were emailing with. Uh, it, the guy who got turned. Exactly, exactly. That's how I got into it because right at the beginning of uh of the lockdown, yeah. uh, which I'm sure probably happened to a lot of people. You start talking to people you hadn't talked to in a long sure, time, man. family members you you yeah. lost touch with. I'm talking to a friend of mine who's about ten years older than me. Yeah. Uh he lives lives in the Midwest. Uh and uh I'm talking to him about teaching my creative writing classes on Zoom, how weird that is. Yeah. Uh, and he says suddenly, uh, oh, well, I think COVID-19 is going to be a really Im- 
a good thing, a positive thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, why? Uh, and he said, well, we, you know, when Trump is reelected, yeah. uh, he's, he's going to, he's clean, he's clearing out the dumbs. Uh, he, he's going to get rid of the black hats. Um, all the people who are involved in this adrenochrome trafficking yeah. area. And I'm like, now I knew I was aware of QAnon. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I have a friend who was there when the first post appeared on yeah. 4chan because this, this guy lives on 4chan. Yeah. <laughs> and, but so I was aware of it vaguely, but I didn't think it was worth my attention. But for you outside of, you know, what are black hats, you knew what adrenochrome was, right? Well, sure. I mean, having, I, I use, I've taught Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas yeah. in, in my composition classes off and on for like 20 years. So I, and it's funny, I used to include a little like, I, I would create this little quiz. Yeah. And I used to, I, I had this bonus question, which was, what is adrenochrome? Yeah. And and, and people, if, if they read the section, they would know how to answer it. And then post 20 17, I started getting responses like adrenochrome is the drug that is used that is p taken out of the children who are kidnapped by the Illuminati. <laughs> you know, the students are like writing this as if it's like a factual thing. Really? And, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, so you got what? young people who are, yeah. are like, who looked it up and they're like, oh, well, this is what it is. Yeah, this it's, is what uh, it is. Taken out of the adrenal glands of the it's, kids they've yeah. got in the caves. Yeah, right. right. The Illuminati, yeah. uh, you know, the. I actually think I I may have discovered the source of Hunter S. Thompson's inspiration for using Adrenochrome in that section of Fear and Loathing in yeah. Las Vegas because uh, in in the context of the book, you know, Duke and Gonzo are in the hotel, and, yeah, and and Gonzo, who's an attorney, says uh, uh, I was representing the Satanist freak and he couldn't pay me, so he gave me this Adrenochrome, right. taken from the pineal gland of a living person, and it takes you higher than you've ever been before. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I was reading the collected letters of. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson, yeah. The Proud Highway. And in there, he mentions that he had just read in the late 50s, uh, Brave New World, uh -huh. uh, Huxley's book. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought, well, it's reason he doesn't mention it, but yeah. it's reasonable to assume that he probably also read Brave New World Revisited by sure. Huxley, which is a collection of essays yeah. that Huxley wrote in 58, reflecting back on Brave New World and saying, how close are we to what I Right. Imagined yeah, in the yeah, 30s. Yeah. And uh, there's four chapters in there, chapter four, five, six, and seven, that I always assign to my students yeah. because it's so amazingly pressing in about what's going on uh -huh. now. I really recommend to pulling out Brave New World Revisited, read chapters four, five, six, and seven, and just think about what he's saying in yeah. context and now. Oh, interesting. But there's one, one paragraph there. I can't, it's one of those chapters yeah. where he starts talking about adrenochrome. And which is, you know, an actual chemical that's formed in the in the brain. Yeah. It's not a recreational drug. Yeah. But I imagine a young Hunter S. Thompson reading it, and like plucking that word out and it going into the back of his brain. Sure, man. And then years later, he's writing Fear and Loathing and then Adrenochrome, that right. idea comes out. Yeah, that's like it's like this search for it's like uh uh it, it's like Burroughs, you know, searching for Ibogaine. Yeah, which he called telepathine. Yeah, uh, right. So, like, it's that the quest for the perfect high. Absolutely. absolutely. Where, you know, it seems like the bourgeois, like, has landed on ayahuasca, but those guys were looking for something deeper, man. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the, um, that whole, that whole idea of extracting the pineal gland and then taking it and making you younger. Yeah. It's, there's a movie from the late, fit, no, 1960, yeah. uh, directed by Edward Dean called The Leech Woman, uh -huh. this black and white universal yeah. horror movie. Yeah. It's, it's about these this uh, these white explorers go into Africa and yeah. they discover this tribe. Yeah. And and the members, the, the natives have a ring with a spike on it. Yeah. And during this ritual, they spike the back of your neck. Yeah. And then the spike pulls out your pineal gland while you're still alive. Yeah. 
then they give it to the leech woman. She drinks it and she yeah. becomes younger. Uh-huh. And then she goes to Los Angeles. Yeah. And then the adrenochrome, the, well, they don't call it adrenochrome, yeah. but the pineal fluid runs yeah. out. Yeah. So she has to keep killing people to re- remain young. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, that's what's fascinating about QAnon. It's yeah. they pull, pulling in like pop culture. But, 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 but like, I think the big challenge of the book is that like clearly there's all this sort of satanic imagery that, you know, there's, and I think a lot of us who, who know that, you know, once you are fully able to objectify the enemy in religious terms, you're, you're just shy of being able to kill them without conscience. Absolutely. So there's no difference between a Democrat and a, sata- a Satanist in the minds of the, of the initiated. And there's no difference between this is this this explains the uh, dichotomy on January 6th of people wearing Blue Lives Matter shirt yeah. attacking cops. Yeah. Because if you're preventing them from going into the Capitol and, and, and saving the children that are underneath in the dungeon, yeah. you're not a blue life anymore. Yeah. You're, you're either a demon in human form. Like literally, yeah. they perceive you as being a demon in human form, right. or you're you're a tool of the demons. So, so the people that really believe, you know, believe in these, you know, uh, subterranean tunnels where these children are in prisons and they're they're tapping their adrenal glands, and and anyone who's a, a liberal or left or woke or Democrat uh, or a Democrat are are with Satan, are with the demons, and they're not really human, and and there are people that. Because this imagery, you know, is proven effective in almost any tribal culture. So they've somehow planted it through the, 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 the psychic vessel of, of modern Christianity into the brains of these people that are, are terrified. Absolutely. Well, Marshall McLuhan said that uh, with um, technological advancement comes the loss of identity and with the loss of identity comes violence. Uh, the loss of identity leads to violence. I think okay. he said that. That's a paraphrase, but it's okay. from cultures or business, I think. That kind of sums it up right there. You know, they're frightened, and then and then now you have a savior coming in with a with a mythos that explains why you're frightened and who you should be frightened of. So the savior is is some is is Trump as propped up by the propagandists. Sure. You know, like, you know, whatever he believes, it's 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 all about him. But, you know, because of his nature, like the, the pass he was given by the evangelical community of it, you know, sometimes God chooses monsters to, you, you know, like he's a, uh, just a, a ramming rod. Yes. You know, for, for fascism. Right. Uh, and, and, but, you know, the, the higher ups in the, in the Christian infrastructure or political world are, you, you know, they, they got a good thing going. You know, so, and most of them are, are fairly self-aware grifters who are, you know, leading their flocks of, of whatever, but they know how to get on board for the big win and sure. who they're going to go with. Uh, and to be fair, there are some um, Christian uh, preachers, pastors, yeah. who I've read interviews with them where they have tried to speak out against QAnon because yeah. they knew how many of their congregation were into it. Yeah. And they've, they were just outed. They were just sure. like, okay, you get out of here. You know, you're obviously working with Satan. And some of them have had to like toe the line. Oh, I better not say anything about QAnon. <laughs> the congregation is going to throw me out of the well, church. The, well, there's a big problem because, you know, it, I think, it, I don't know which branch of Christianity that once you start to break down, you, you know, or, or how it was originally broke down, what is necessary uh, for the second coming to happen. And, you know, the signs are always the signs. The world is ending or whatever. But, you know, what is there needs to be some things done in Israel 
for the shit to go down. So you get this evangelical support of the Israeli government as long as they're about getting Arabs out of Jerusalem so they can rebuild that temple. Right. And, you know, so there's that whole faction of it. And then whatever's being fought here, I don't know how many of them believe that, you know, that I don't know how much of the anti-Semitism in the Christian world is rooted on, you know, getting Jews out of America to Israel, which is the intention of Israel, because they believe we all got to be there in order for the thing to go down. For, for the end to happen. So it's not necessarily about killing Jews, but it is about getting us to Israel. Which, I, there's a, a paradox there that's always confused me about evangelical Christians, yeah. uh, particularly those who believe in the rapture and, yeah. the, you know, that the end times are coming. One of the signs is, you know, the decadence of society, right? Right. So why why did they care about a uh, drag queen story hour? Yeah, <laughs> we well, think like, they okay. celebrating it, right? Right. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's we should be happy. Why are we stopping it? Well, but see, that's also, you know, the decadence is also a, a signifier of 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 the intent of fascism, right? You know, like in in Berlin, I mean, it was the decadence is what sort of it, it becomes the the root of what we're working against. Sure. So that is what you're saying, that sure. there is a a conflict of interest there. And and there's also the, uh, you're familiar with the red heifer? Yes. The, you know, and, but and, yeah, is it, has it come? Did they find it? Well, you no, know? They, they keep trying to genetically engineer the red heifer. The red heifer has is one of the 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 indicators of or the, the of the second coming. Yeah, and it has to be purely a red heifer. A red and yeah, yeah. and they tried to genetically engineer one, you know. And, and but tried, the kabbalistic Orthodox Jews are in on this, right? Aren't they? Needed? Right. That's that's the sort of weird. Um, sure. That's alliance. why. Yeah, that's why they pray at the walls. They can't get to the mount because the dome of the rock is there, and the the second temple needs to be rebuilt. Yeah, there are extremist Israeli factions and extremists. Christians in America who are like teaming up together <laughs> for the metaphor. Yeah, for the for the metaphor to, right. bring, to make the metaphor literal. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the big problem. That's is, the problem. Is is yeah. is the manifesting of the metaphor, making it literal through repetition, through ritualistic, propagandistic black magic. Yeah. Right. That that's the that's the main propaganda. Yeah. Right. Uh, now now in terms of. Like the amalgamation of all this stuff, including science fiction, which you discuss in your book, that there's elements of QAnon that are, you know, age, you know, you know, ancient conspiracy theories, new conspiracy theories, new sort of comic book uh, representation of, of demons, uh, a little bit of, 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 of 50s and 40s sci-fi here and there, you know, bits and pieces of, of crackpots from the past and their narratives. So in, in the last part of the book. I mean, where does it start in, in earnest for you? I know it starts on 4chan and it, and it becomes an issue, but the seed of it you think was uh, nefarious and organized? Uh, I, I think I have two thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, one is that it's possible that the first post that appeared on 4chan yeah. where, where the dude calling himself Q posted yeah. a, a photo of a Christmas tree and it was clearly taken in the White House and uh, it could be that that initial post was a genuine, you know, who yep. that, that it was this, that was Q, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, and then, and then either quickly hijacked, you know, by trolls, uh, by trolls, yeah. or, or by uh, the these op these psychological psyop operatives who saw a good Ex military, thing. yeah. What uh, your well, guys, include, uh, Paul Valley is, right. is is one of them. Who is that guy? Okay, it, this is very interesting because right after the lockdown, there was a kind of QAnon uh, recruitment video yeah. that took the internet by storm called Out of Shadows. Yeah, they never mentioned QAnon 
Right. Ultimately, that's that's everything in there is QAnon yeah, stuff. And right. they, they do focus on Pizzagate at the end, which is, you know. Sure. Uh, that's what brought it to the masses. That's what brought it to the masses. Yeah. And, and so at one point, it begins ostensibly saying this is a documentary about how Hollywood is used uh, to – insert propaganda uh-huh. into the American consciousness, which is, is true. Uh, Hollywood has been used for yeah. this propaganda arm of the government sure. going back to World War II, right? right. Um, uh, and so it begins with a valid thesis. You know, you could, yeah. you could do a whole documentary yeah, about that. Sure. Within eight minutes, it's gone off into the Twilight Zone. Mm. And now they're talking about this guy named Michael Aquino, who if, if you read Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper, yeah. uh, you'll know that Michael Aquino was a... Uh, a psychological warfare officer. Uh, he was a Satanist, or rather, technically, he was a Setian. He used to be a member of the Church of Satan with Anton LaVey. But th- yeah, but that was a bunch of, you know, carnival hacks. Yes. Well, well Aquino thought so, too. So that's why he broke away from LaVey yeah. and char- tar- started the Temple of Set. Okay. You know, so oh, LaVey okay. wasn't hard So that was more for... Crowley, moving towards Crowley? Yeah. Or well, a, an arm of that type of magic? Uh, more um, different from Crowley. Uh, it's it's more more hardcore than Crowley. Okay, because like because <laughs> like Anton Lavey was just a guy who wanted to fuck a lot. Yeah, yeah. this is an interesting. Uh, I'm going off on a slight tangent, but That's it's right. interesting. Uh, Anton Lavey was hugely influenced by the 1940s version of Nightmare Alley, the film. Sure, uh, Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Del Toro just you know. Well, he he was a carny uh, Lavey. He was a carny. Yeah, and, and uh, he um uh his name was Stanton. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, and he. Um, the main character in Nightmare Alley is named Stanton. Uh-huh. And he saw some sort of connection between him and the main character. Sure. And he even had a p- framed poster of Nightmare Alley in his house. Uh-huh. He named his daughter Xena, who Adam Parfrey dated. Yeah. Uh, he named her Xena yeah. after the character in Nightmare Alley. Uh, and also, he once a year, he would have friends over and he had a early, you know, like a reel-to-reel uh you know, actual yeah. film uh, version of of Nightmare Alley. He'd film play projector, it. Uh, yeah. A film projector. Yeah. He'd play it like at a party every yeah. once, like on his birthday. Yeah, well, <laughs> he watched Nightmare Alley. The original, yeah. So, of yeah, course. so this this is someone who clearly uh, recognized that he was a con artist and, and knew sure. that. And, right. You know, uh, unlike uh, Hubbard, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if LeVay ever really believed his own bullshit. No, I think uh, LeVay was like interested in in surrounding himself with other heathen, hedonists and 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 to and to make it popular. He wanted yeah. the attention of of sort of like well, oh, it's it is some it is some version of do what thou wilt. In a, in a way, yes, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. he was. I think he was just a guy that wanted to party. Sure. <laughs> Sure, absolutely. You know, and he and he liked partying with Hollywood people, and Satan like, was sexy, and, man. And like Sammy Davis, exactly. Jr. Have you ever seen the uh, on YouTube? You can see the pilot episode of a sitcom that Sammy Davis Jr. was going to do oh, in the seventies, where he plays Satan. Oh, that's great! I got to watch that. <laughs> so Aquino. Okay, so Aquino he sees through that Levee's just a con man. Yeah. So he starts his own thing called Temple of Set. Yeah. Uh, and he's also a psychological warfare officer in the in the military. He he had a severe widow's peak. Yeah. Uh, he had a wife named Lilith. Uh-huh. Uh, he looked kind of like an overgrown. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the destroyer. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay, he, go ahead. he looked like an overgrown Eddie Munster. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and he he was given the task by his boss, Paul Vallelay, in the 70s of writing uh, what Vallelay wanted. What was Vallelay's job? Vallelay was the head of the PSYOP. In the military. In the military. Okay. And he said, post-Vietnam, we need a paper to show us what direction can we go in from here? Yeah. What type of, how does PSYOP uh, evolve? 
post-Vietnam, um, where do we go from here? And, and we, I think you're the guy to be able to figure this out. So Aquino writes this paper called Mind War. Yeah. Uh, and in the paper, he says, in this new electronic digital age that we're entering into, yeah. you have to create a form of propaganda where the target does not, is not aware they think that all of the ideas that they're having yeah. uh, are their own ideas. So you have to create a rapport with the target that almost works at an ESP level, where the target absorbs the, the propaganda in such a way where they think that they're generating it on their own and that what they do is their own choice, uh, not something that they're being manipulated okay, into doing. Okay. Uh, and so now what's interesting is in the Out of Shadows documentary, they mentioned Mind War and Aquino to show that you see there is Satanists in, in the military. Oh, so he's uh, a bad guy in that. He's a bad guy. Uh -huh. And Aquino is, you know, during the Satanic Panic, he gets wrapped up in um, uh, an investigation. He was accused of running a child trafficking ring out of the Because Presidio. of the set, the house of set. Uh, because of the temple set. The temple be is because set. He's, you know, he has But this, not because of writing this thing. Not, no, not, no, that has nothing to do with it. The mind war thing has nothing to do uh -huh. with it. And he appears on an episode of Oprah Winfrey during the satanic panic, and he's trying to defend himself. And huh. eventually he's cleared of any charges yeah. of running a child trafficking ring. Right. Uh, so, but that's that long ago that child trafficking is, you know, uh, 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 a trope. Well, yes, it's, I mean, that's huge in the 80s, yeah. and then it's, it's, it's now resurrected yeah. in 2017. Yeah. Uh, so what's odd about the documentary is they never mention the fact, they, they, they talk about mind war in this documentary, and they yeah. say, you see, this is the plan. This yeah. is the satanic plan yeah. to control your mind. Yeah. Uh, they never mention the fact that, and, and they show the cover letter of the, of the, the title page. It yeah. says, Mind War by Paul Vallely and Michael Aquino. They never mentioned the fact that Paul Vallely is the one military figure who has come out and said, Q is a real person. All the information that Q is giving you is real. Donald Trump does not trust the CIA, the DIA, the FBI. So he's relying on a group of retired and active intelligence agents called the something something of Northern Virginia, yeah. the Army of Northern Virginia. Right. And, and these retired and active intelligence agents are feeding him information and Q is a representative of those intelligence agents who are helping Trump. And so, so the QAnon community just went wild. Like this is the first official- uh, And that's Valley. That's Valley. He went on all these radio shows and that's saying a, this. Aquino's boss, Aquino's old boss. Old boss and he's- very highly respected, decorated. The psyops guy. The psyops guy, right. And then when you see that, and then you read Mind War, you suddenly realize that all the QAnon posts fit exactly the description of where psyops should go in the and, Mind War. And and this happened before, like, it blew up. Valley statement. Valley comes uh, in, in and starts making public statements about QAnon, probably about a year into QAnon. So he sees that this is the ticket. Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. that's why your assumption is they picked up on it. They either picked up on it or they started it. How, where, uh, how, how do you think that? Well, I mean, you could just go on 4chan and start posting as Q, and, then, <laughs> and that's how you start it, you know? Oh, so and, you're saying that he laid the groundwork and then came out and said, this is legit. Yeah, he could have had two or three people doing it. Exactly. You can tell, you know, I, I'm a creative writing teacher I, sure. I look at literature all the time i can see like, writing styles sure. like i could tell immediately it wasn't just one well, what person. about that guy and his dad well yeah i mean those those are those two guys are probably involved uh uh i doubt that they did that entirely on their own They're no probably, but but clearly the father is ideologically absolutely uh, in line and, and i would think that they would probably 
be paid. What are their names? To, to, uh, Watkins, uh, Ron Watkins and Jim But Watkins. who do you think that, you know, that Valley was currently working for? Well, you have Michael Flynn, who is a, a PSYOP officer himself. I mean, that's, okay. his, that's his background. Right. Uh, and now Michael Flynn's going around. He formed this thing called the Rear Rake in America Tour. Are, are you yes. familiar with this? Yes. With a guy named Clay Clark, who's yes. this uh, really evangelical. It, it looks like a clown show. It's a clown show, but it's hugely influential. I mean, they're getting people, uh, uh, they're usually at churches. It's from San Diego okay. to Florida, so across you, the country. So, so they've, they, they have a, a pretty large bunch of people whose brains they have broken and are now on board. And 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 Michael Flynn uh, has given lectures at the Reawaken America tour saying, this was a few years ago, just as, you know, yeah, not know. long yeah, ago. Yeah. He said, uh, what we need to do is we need to target the school boards. That's our next step. Target the school boards to what end? Uh, to 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 uh, you know kick out the the Illuminati reptilian bastards. Uh, we'll use well. That's the what they're doing. To do but that. it's in the name of of Christian moralism, yeah, in, in, right? In uh, in Florida, Florida, Texas, and in you know Ron DeSantis, he has QAnon people he's working with. Uh, there's one woman who's the head of some some. It's like the mothers against. So this everything. is it. This is the origin myth of modern American fascism. Yeah. Christian yes. fascism. Yes. I, that's and, what I, I, call, I was calling it that a while back. And I, I've always felt that, that whether like, but I tend to, you, you know, you did the homework, but I tend to, to detach from that and just say like, I don't care where it came from. It is what it is. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. in a way, you know that HBO documentary about Q. Yeah, I saw that. The, the whole question was who is Q. Yeah, I wasn't particularly interested in who is yeah, Q. Yeah, not at this point. Uh, I'm more interested in why is this more successful than all the other conspiracy theories that have flourished on the internet since the year 2000 or late 90s? Because yeah. you've got you've got people within the government that are, are that realize either they believe it, which I think is you know maybe 60 40. 50, not even. I imagine a lot of them just realize, like, because th- what's happening is that there, there is a shameless fascist movement that is, is saying what it wants and doing what it needs to do in order to take over the government and, of this country. They're not hiding it. And, and, and QAnon, if they want to use that tool to, to sort of mobilize that constituency, they do. That, I think that's the ultimate irony here is like the whole metaphor of the deep state, because deep state implies... Um, it's kind of ironic. It, it, there's something almost Gnostic about it. No, I, uh, I, right, right when Trump got in, I was like, well, that, that doesn't exist. <laughs> why aren't they taking him out? Yeah, well, why? why he, he, he's saying now, if you reelect me, uh, then I'll go in, I'll take care of the deep state. Why didn't you do it in the four years that you were in? Uh, also, by the way, uh, there are some of the QAnon people who say that, you know, Trump still is president now. Yes. So, so how, how can he run a third term? You know, by their own they logic. They don't care. <laughs> they say, like, the, well, you, you see these people and they, they are literally like on drugs. They're saying things that they have no support o- o- for. Altered and they know consciousness. Altered they, consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Like, they yeah. are cult members who are saying things. And when pressed a little bit, they're like, I, I don't know. It's just, I have a feeling. Yes, yes. They'll, they'll say, well, uh, in fact, I saw Jordan Klepper asking one of these right. guys. He said, wait a minute, you're saying that Trump is in charge of the military right now? And he goes, yes, secretly he is. He goes, okay, so he's to blame for Afghanistan? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like one step away that they operate on this surface level. And I guess the only interactions they have are with like-minded people or people who are equally as, as shallow and duped by or, and brainwashed. I think that also what happened, it's not just the Q post. Yes. The, the, um, this whole idea of creating a rapport with the target, getting them to think that they made the choice themselves. Uh, I've suspected early on, I, was, I mentioned in the book that I was 
it would be impossible to monitor every single QTuber in existence. So I was focusing on this Rick Renee show, uh, and he had this guy named Gene, this anonymous guest, Gene, who claimed he had military contacts. And he would repeat everything that this military contact yeah. had told him to say. Right. So about the the, the deep underground military bases sure. and, and all, and all yeah. of this. And I remember thinking at first, is he making this stuff up or is someone actually telling him this stuff and yeah. he's repeating it? Yeah. Eventually, uh, right about January 3rd, so it was like three days before January 6th, mm. Gene goes on the air and, and I heard other QTubers say this as well, a woman named Kirsten Weldon, who's, who's now dead. She died of COVID. On, on January 6th, 2022, she died of COVID. Um, they, Kirsten Weldon, uh, this guy Gene, other QAnon people were saying, they actually went on the air and said, listen, on Jan three days from now, on January 6th, if you see tanks coming down the street and Trump declares martial law, don't go for your guns. Don't go for your guns. That has to happen. That's the plan. Trust the plan. And martial law is the tool that Trump is going to use to route out all the demonic Satanists. Mm. So don't don't go for your guns. Right. So they, they managed to take... Uh, these libertarians who all the way back in the early 90s had been paranoid about imminent martial law. Right. There was this book called Operation Vampire Killer 2000 yeah, yeah. by Police Against the New World Order. And it was this saddle-stitched book that you could order. I ordered away for it because yeah. the title, Operation right, Vampire sure. Killer 2000, that sounds great. Uh, and it, it was by these ex-police officers uh, headed by this guy named Jack McClam. And and they, they didn't like Bush, they were libertarians, and they were concerned about the militarization of the police. Yeah. And and I when I read it at the time, I thought, this is interesting. This could create like a bridge between these kind of far-right libertarians and, and progressives who are also concerned about the militarization of the police. I mean, this is something that both are concerned with. Th this could actually create a kind of bridge between these. Oh, interesting. So that was sort of where it happened, huh? Uh, and, and, then, and then, but you know, a few years after that, then it gets wrapped up in the Oklahoma City bombing and any hope of that happening, like that was far too optimistic <laughs> yeah. a thought on my part, you know. Well, I mean, uh, but what has happened is the left and the right do like they're certainly the progressive spiritualists, you know, who w revolve, who are very anti-vax. Yes. Because that, that's a gateway drug to QAnon yes, is anti-vaxxers. In fact, at the Reawaken America tour, one of the speakers has been Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been doing that for a long time. But like, you know, the yoga instructors, the massage therapists, yes. the uh, the crystal gazers, like all sort of got in line with this thing. That's what was so brilliant about QAnon. It figured out how to pull in people who would never enter this evangelical sphere. But yet we're, we're either searchers or paranoid, uh, broken people, you know, that were, were incomplete and, and untethered from a, a true foundation of self. And also what you would call like one issue voters. Sure. So, so if you're interested, just angry in, morons. <laughs> if you're interested in vaccines, like that's your main thing. Yeah, we got. Then them. you have to. So, so again, tell me. So, Valerie, you, okay, I, I, I understand he's aligned with Flynn, but you know what? So their agenda was always fascist America. I think. I think the QAnon posts were meant to build up to January six. That, that January 6th was like the plan B. Okay, okay. The, or the plan Q. If it looks like he's a not going to win. A Q coup. Yeah. yeah. We're going to initiate plan Q. Because they, they were like, you know, if we can just let this motherfucker run roughshod over the government for another four years, we've, we've got it forever. Yeah. And I mean, just a few days before January 6th, all 10 secretaries of state, all living secretaries of state, published an op-ed piece yeah. saying, uh, listen, if you're in the military, uh, you have to understand you have to 
accept whoever is president. You know, and I read that and I thought, what, what was the panic freakout that made them publish this? This has never happened before. I mean, they all got together and said, we need to publish something. It's a coup. Because they know that this was um, imminent. And it, I don't think people are aware of how it was just a series of weird synchronicities that prevented that mob from getting in, kidnapping Pelosi, hanging Mike Pence. Uh, for sure, dude. Uh, the I, guy with the with the handcuffs, they were gonna there was gonna be blood spilled. There's no doubt. That's why when I was watching it, I thought I thought the MAGA and QAnon people are the cover. You know, they went there probably not thinking that they were gonna be involved in a riot. Oh, so you're saying that the 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 real activators who were going to do the damage were 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 deep op people the 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 proud boys and the oath keepers okay. who were most of whom are military people sure. were ex-police officers yeah. the guys with the zip ties yeah, they believed the that they could hijack this thing yeah and that and so you got the chaos of the maga qunon people who have been right. uh, uh revved up and in the midst of that chaos you got these zip tie guys with the camera mounted sure. on the chest yeah. camo fatigues yeah. what were they going to do with those cameras you know, were they were they going to kidnap Pelosi and and start executing people? You know, live streaming it. Uh, um, yeah. Until you know, Mike Pence does what Trump wants him to do. I, yeah. I mean, it was only it was there was one cop who the doors to the chambers were yeah. open, unlocked, yeah. and he actually led them the crowd away while Pelosi and Pence and Schumer and everyone else fled out yeah, the back. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and, and he was the guy going, no, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was, and, and they the crowd didn't know it was unlocked. So they go and they chase that guy. Yeah, yeah. It's just that one synchronicity that prevents that from being a bloodbath wow, of, a, right? of, a, of a day. So where do we stand now with Q? How, how's it doing? I, I just wrote an article called The Silent Civil War mm. uh, that it's going to be appearing on Evergreen Review. Uh, which kind of updates things from Operation Mindfuck. And the fact that Q uh, popped up, popped his head up again one more time yeah. with uh, when Cassidy Hutchinson w was was uh, doing her testimony mm. in the January 6th committee, mm. uh, I thought, well, somebody must have gotten really nervous about her because then suddenly Q starts posting again mm. with all these questions. And that's that goes along the, the, the way that the posts are structured where they're all questions. Mm. That ties into that mind war philosophy. Well, that's how they answer questions. With questions. With, with questions. And then that way you're reading the question and you think you're answering it and coming to the conclusion yourself. Sure. When in fact, when there's only one conclusion based on all the questions. Well, we have to support Trump. That's the only conclusion you can come to. But you think you've reached it yourself. Mm. Or you think it's your idea to storm the Capitol. Yeah. And when in fact, Trump was the one who told you to go do it. Yeah. You know? Um, or a lot of these Q-tubers, there's one woman named uh, Radix. Yeah. Uh, Radix Virum. That's her, you know. Yeah name uh and she started a a, a youtube channel called patriot soapbox yeah and one of the early proponents of QAnon, and uh i've heard her in an interview say how at the beginning jerome corsi who's one of these major uh he, he writes for world net daily he's the one who came up with the whole birther thing the yeah. obama birther thing okay jerome corsi suddenly appears on the subreddit the yeah. QAnon subreddit for patriot soapbox yeah and is commenting and and she's like oh i know jerome corsi he's on alex jones yeah I'm, yeah and jerome corsi suddenly offering to take part in this youtube channel that started by these two random people and yeah. they're really impressed they're and and they're posting the Q posts and talking about it. And Jerome Corsi tells them, I know that this information is, is correct. You know, keep doing it. Um, I, I'm going to help you. So he's one of the elders. I, I think so. Yeah. He, he was, she has since said, at the time I was really naive and I was really impressed that this guy was on Alex mm -hmm. Jones and was telling us that we were on the right track. And now looking back on it, she goes, I think he inserted himself to amplify 
the QAnon thing. Yeah. And to, to so direct- So she had to come to Jesus moment? She did, yes. She realized that she had been uh, taken. Wow. She'd been had. So do you think it's, uh, it's leveling off, stronger, weaker right now? I, I think it's stronger. I think it's, it, it, it's, now the situation is there are a lot of QAnon people who basically they just, they just, they don't mention Q. Uh, sure. Oh, like, for example, if you, you ever watch Newsmax? No. <laughs> uh, it's It can be amusing and frightening at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I got enough of that just in my own mind. <laughs> the amusing and frightening. I don't need it validated all the time. There's one, there's a show called Greg Kelly Reports. Yeah. Greg Kelly used to be on Fox. Yeah. Now he's on Newsmax. Okay. And uh, basically the whole thing is a QAnon adjacent show. Yeah. He never mentions Q, but for example, when the guy attacked yeah. uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband, yeah. there's this QAnon theory that he was actually a male prostitute. And this, no, this yeah, was, right. you know, know immediate, yeah. right? Sure. Uh, and uh, he he didn't break. And that it. picked up. In, that got picked up in the mainstream press I, immediately. It's immediately, fucking, it's so fucked up like that. Well, so you're telling me that now QAnon's become a secret society within the conservative. In, in a way, within yes. Whatever yeah, because if you watch like is. Newsmax, they they do QAnon reports. So all the time. it's a secret society within the new Christian fascist movement in America, uh, but it's it's definitely. You know, they are in it for the long haul. Yeah. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene did did, an interview recently where she said, oh, I was never really into Q. (laughs) And they read that as, you know, she is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Not optimistic. (laughs) No. uh, But we did a thorough job here. (laughs) I think we covered it. Uh, I, I was very excited to have the conversation and I'm I'm satisfied. And I like the book. Like it, it didn't spin me out. You know, I, oh, that's good. I'm grown up enough to 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 contextualize conspiracy theories. Right, you didn't start analyzing the buildings. Not again. Or, okay, no, that didn't come back. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. Thank you for uh, talking. Well, I hope you kept up with that. I hope it was understandable enough. Uh, Operation Mindfuck, QAnon, and the Cult of Donald Trump is available now. Hang out a minute, folks. If you like that talk with Robert, we did an episode a few years ago. You'll also dig. Episode 1155 is called Bad Internet. And the first half is a talk about the Peppy the Frog documentary. And then I talked with Andrew Morantz from The New Yorker about online fascism and conspiracy communities. The underlying systemic forces of how social media works, what it's incentivizing people to do, the kinds of feedback loops it's drawing people into the system is still working exactly as designed. So a, a couple of the individual loopholes have been closed. As yes. designed by, by who and for what reason? As designed by the social media companies. So the reason that I call my book antisocial is because the word antisocial applies to the creeps and propagandists and disinformation agents who I hang out with. And I would sit at their side and watch them destroy America. And I would kind of call them and say, hey, you are doing this thing from your laptop in Orange County, California, or in Michigan, or in wherever. Right. Can I come sit in your kitchen and watch you destroy America? And they'd say, yeah, right. sure. And so I would do that. They, they were the kind of antisocial ones. But it's also antisocial in the sense of, hey, guys, social media is doing this to us in a very concerted way. So the design of social media, the intention was not to destroy America. But, but you're saying that fundamental to the design of it the way these loops create by by amassing followers around ideology and then by other people sort of, you know, entering it through random tweets or reactions that the design of it, which was 
idealistically to bring people together. It's doing that, but in the most malignant way. Correct. So it's bringing people into these forms of community. And right. it's also doing at the most basic level, what the algorithms are designed to do, which is just to maximize and monetize attention. They're just trying to suck in your attention, get you to stay on the platform for as long as possible. And often it's not even the human beings, but it's the algorithms who are figuring out that if you want to get someone to stay on your platform for eight or 10 hours a day, yeah. actually the best way to do that is to radicalize them to some kind of new cult ideology that they will then sit in their bunker and explore and do all this research. Again, that's episode 1155, Bad Internet. And you can listen for free in whatever app you're using. Okay, here's some drone for you. Angels everywhere. 